This show and all the content on All About Beer is able to come to you each week, thanks to the companies that support our journalism through advertising. If your company is thinking about 2023 media plans, we have options for every budget. Email info at allaboutbeer.com to learn more. And thanks for the support and keeping us on air and online. Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall, and my guest this week is Jonathan Moxie of the Rockwell Beer Company in Missouri. We're going to be talking about home brewing before going pro, getting out of a monochromatic rut, and drinking at parties. And we're going to get into it all in just a moment. But first, All About Beer is back online and producing original content for beer enthusiasts and professionals. Go visit allaboutbeer.com to see the latest. And if you want to support us in that endeavor, we've set up a Patreon for both readers and professional companies in the beer space. Check out patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to learn more. For additional audio content, go search All About Beer on your podcast platform of choice and listen to the shows that are now available, including the All About Beer podcast, Beer Travelers, and Brewer to Brewer. And if you're a fan of smoked beer, and well, obviously you are, why not check out This Week in Rauk Beer? The Facebook group is easy to search, and on Twitter and Instagram, it's at TWRaukBeer. We're able to bring you this show each week thanks to the companies that support independent journalism in the beer space. You can learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates by emailing info at allaboutbeer.com. Speaking of that, this episode is brought to you by Pro Brewer. We're bringing original articles to probrewer.com twice a week, covering issues that are important to the beer industry and aimed at helping breweries of all sizes understand the different facets of the business. Check out our articles on probrewer.com every Tuesday and Thursday and visit the site daily for other original content and to stay connected with the beer industry. I've known Jonathan Moxie since long before I was on the beer writing beat. We were in a group of beer enthusiasts that met in and around New York City at least 15 years ago. Moxie was a home brewer at the time, but he was actually more than that, of course. But first, I knew him as a home brewer and a damn good one at that. There'd be parties and gatherings and bombers would be passed around and all of us youngins would talk about how beer could save the world or at least make our worlds better. Strangely enough, a lot of folks in that group have gone on to work in and around beer, including opening their own breweries. Moxie and his wife left New York from Missouri, where he got a job at Shafley and then Perennial, and now he's at Rockwell Beer Company as the head brewer. He's making tasty beer with soul, and it's always a pleasure to drink what he's made. He's also an insightful and a thoughtful guy, and I saw him in person at the Great American Beer Festival earlier this fall. And over leaders at Beerstadt, he got me thinking about beer in ways that I hadn't in a long time. So Moxie's here this week to share some of those thoughts and to keep the interest in beer flowing. Here's our conversation. Do you remember your first homebrew recipe? Like not one that came from a kit, but one that you developed and saw from you know, conception to sipping it out of a glass. I I think... I think the first one that I ever brewed that was my own recipe was uh, my uh, electric blanket Saison that I uh, I brewed and ended up taking to, uh, oh man, I can't remember the name of the, uh, there was a homebrew competition um, in New York. And I took it there and we actually won people's choice that year. But like I was, I fermented this in the corner of our 725 square foot apartment in Harlem. And <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to take, the, you know, I'd been reading uh, Phil Markowski's farmhouse ale book. Yeah. And I wanted to, uh, to keep the temperature ramped up at like, you know, what I thought saison DuPont levels were at that point to help it make sure that it finished out. And so I wrapped it in an electric blanket. <laughs> and we we actually ended up calling uh I, I said electric blanket saison, but a friend came over and she misheard me and um it was electric blanket stays on. Stays on. Well also <laughs> I, accurate. I, I, yeah. was, I was like, yeah, I was like, well that's that's even better. Um <laughs> So yeah, that was, that was the first, uh, 
that was the first like homebrew recipe that I wrote myself that like wasn't from a kit. Um, and, and I moved to that pretty quickly because, you know, like I, you, you know, with the goal of trying to, you know, make this a thing, make a, make a run at it. Like I, I didn't necessarily want to be doing like the, you know, kind of the Betty Crocker, uh, cake mix, uh, of, of beer where you're, you're following the directions of, uh, somebody else's kit and, yeah. uh, and then not really expressing yourself, you know, and then there was good and ill with that. <laughs> I definitely, there, there's definitely something to, uh, following established recipes as you're, uh, working out, uh, the kinks, uh, in the early days. And even now, yeah. Uh, what, what was it though, to get to that point that quickly, what was the driving force inside of you to, to break out of that mold? Well, for me, like I, you know, like I moved to New York and I'd gone to journalism school and I realized very quickly that I just, I didn't have the fire in my belly to get up every day and be a good journalist. And Lord knows there's enough shitty journalists out there. They didn't need Amen. Yeah. one. They didn't need I mean, one I more. I feel attacked, but that's yeah, fine. No, no, um, no. Yeah. It's fine. Not at all. I'm but fine. We, you I'm know, just like, tired. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so then it was like trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And um, my, uh, my friend Matt, uh, had come over to a house party and he handed me a, a bottle of beer uh, without a label on it. And he was like, yeah, he's like, I, I used to homebrew in college. I dug my stuff out of a storage container. And, you know, if you want to split the cost of ingredients, we can like, I'll teach you how to do it. And uh, I was like, sure. And like, we did it. And I mean, we did almost everything wrong uh, <laughs> looking back on it now, but it came out with a, you know, a serviceable beer and it, it was just kind of like this light went off. Like, as I was looking to figure out like, all right, you know, how do I get out of a cubicle? What do I want to do with my life? Like I, I yeah. made beer and like, it really appealed to, you know, one, I, I love beer, sure. but also just like the idea that I could, you know, kind of like make a career out of coming up with an idea and then seeing it through to a, a physical product. And, and not only a physical product, but like something that, you know, brings people uh, a happiness, you know, that's a social companion uh, was very appealing to me. So like I, I did this and I was like, you know, I was like, I, all right, like now I, uh, now I have direction. I have, uh, you know, like I felt motivation, uh, which was something that was otherwise lacking in my uh, professional day to day. Yeah. I, I, Somebody has asked me, people have asked me about this in the past, um, but like the core, like, why me as a journalist, do I enjoy covering the beer industry? And I always like saying it's because it's not just about you know, the final result in the glass, but there's so many different threads to pull. It can be, you know, architecture, it can be agriculture, it can be um, art. Uh, I'm just naming all the A's apparently now um, at this point, but um, alliteration. Alliteration. <laughs> there's there's all of these various uh these various things that um that, that that beer touches on and that's what I enjoy, why I enjoy covering it. But I'm wondering now as you're making you know, your own beers this much further um along in your career, if you're still thinking about the story that each beer tells. Like if that if that journalism background kind of is just manifesting in a different way. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Uh, and, and I think that there is definitely a, a, a storytelling to it. And I've always said, you know, like, especially with like being at Rockwell now, like the majority of our beer is sold uh, on site at our, one of our two locations. Like we've got the brewery and tasting room. Uh, and then we've got a, a beer garden, uh, which is just, like serving beer and, and food uh, in a city park. And I, I always tell people, I was like, you know, we, we try to, in everything we do, we try to point, point people back to the brewery because here at the brewery, the, the what's in your glass uh, is complemented by the aesthetic of the room or the, or the garden uh, the people, the the music that we play, the food we have, you know, like the way you feel, like it's all part of this like narrative, and like it allows us to tell a more complete story 
than you know just like going to the grocery store not, not that i don't love people going out and buying our beer and off-premise account but like it, it it's a more complete story than just going to the grocery store and picking up a six pack and you know going home and watching netflix or whatever yeah and i think that you know uh, with the beers like yeah i i want to tell a story every time and it's not always the same motivation you know like it can be a story of uh of the land of agriculture and the ingredients and with like that i think uh we've done uh several projects with uh caleb michalke from uh sugar creek malt in indiana and he's just doing some incredible stuff you know with uh, heirloom grains and a bunch of uh different you know like uh wood smoke and stuff like that and he's making some uh some really unique ingredients and by incorporating those into our beer like we're we're using agriculture and terroir to to tell a story with that beer other yeah. times it may be you know like uh the feeling that i want to have at a party you know like it in, encapsulated at a uh it you know within a package of beer like we just released uh thoughtfully spiced which is our first uh christmas holiday beer and for that like we uh you know i thought back to uh, beers that i hadn't had in a long time uh, you know like uh, great lakes christmas ale or yeah. trove's mad elf it's something like that and like how, how like drinking those beers really makes me think about like what it's like being at a, a party, uh, you know, at Christmas with, uh, friends and, uh, and family members. It's a little bit stronger, you know, you, you, you get, well, I've, I've partied with you. So that, that, yeah, that you, tracks. You, yeah. Yeah. You get, you, you, <laughs> you get, you're getting, everybody's getting the, uh, the, the rosy cheeks. Um, and so we did, uh, you know, we, uh, lagered a, uh, like an amber beer to guard uh in our in our fooder and then whenever we took it out like we put just a you know a very small thoughtful uh amount of uh, like holiday baking spices in there to kind of uh round it out that's fun and it turned out the way you wanted it to yeah yeah i mean like it uh you know it it feels it feels cheery it feels warm like it's uh it's something that you know, uh, so far uh, it's, it's been out about a week and the response has been strong for it. You know, like the label looks like an ugly Christmas sweater. And so it's just, you know, it's, it's fun, especially as we've got people coming in here looking to shop for the holidays and stuff, get something other than just a gift card. Yeah. So, uh, so I jumped ahead, um, in, in, in the narrative by asking about journalism, but I'm, I'm wondering about, so, you're at this party, you get into homebrewing, you excel pretty fast. And then in 2012, you you know leave your other careers behind and you go into professional beer making. And I think about 2012 a lot, actually, because um, I, I think that the, that was a important year when we look back you know, 2010, 2011, 2012 are going to be important years when we look back um, in where you know, craft in America was and is now um, because we were coming out of a recession and a lot of folks were looking for a change. Uh, folks had been laid off. Uh, folks, you know, were, were in bad straits and were saying, okay, like, I don't want to live this way. Um, I want to chase my dreams. I want to hang my own shingle. I want to sort of do my own thing. Um I don't know how much that played a role for you at the time, if any, but I feel like like those years, there's a lot of energy that was around getting into beer at that time. Did, yeah. Does that track? Does that seem fair? I, absolutely. I mean, you know, like we, uh, my wife, Lauren and I, like we knew, you know, like we were living in New York at the time and we knew that that was always going to be, uh, a limited engagement for us, you know, like, uh, we wanted to raise, uh, our, our family closer to the relatives and you know, knowing what a, a brewer makes 
if we were going to be in New York City, we want to live in New York City and like raising a family and seven hundred twenty-five uh, square feet. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Was was not uh, th- would not be a, a, a very sustainable. Right. Yeah. And it's 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 a tough sell to the in-laws. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, like I think back to uh, where we're at, like where we were at then. You know, there were a lot of people in New York that were kind of in the same way um, that uh, that I was at the time. They you know, like they wanted the same thing, and it wasn't quite uh, it wasn't quite there yet. You know, like they didn't have the Farm Brewers Bill uh, right. that allowed people to sell beer by the glass. But you know, the the number of people in the New York City Homebrewers Guild at that time. Uh, that went on to uh, brew professionally or or start their own brewery, like was absolutely staggering. You know, yeah. like just about every uh, New York City uh, brewery that's there now, like can find roots from, if not their founder, at least several employees uh, from there at that time. And it also came to uh, together for me personally because we were we were trying to figure out like, where, where do we go next? You know, like if we're, if we're not going to brew beer here in, in New York city, like, do we go, like, do I go to brewing school or do I move to somewhere that's more established, like, you know, Port, uh, Portland or Denver or San Diego and try to get uh, a job there where there's like a, a critical mass of breweries. Right. And in St. Louis, we have like what we would call the the class of 2011, mm-hmm. where it's uh, perennial and uh, forehands and urban chestnut and civil life, and then um, uh, second shift opened actually the year before that. But all of a sudden, you know, like there was more than just uh, Schlafly and a brew pub or two here. Like there was a uh, like another wave of craft breweries that really kind of kick things off in St. Louis. I was like, Oh man, like this is like, I can actually move back to Missouri and, uh, you know, we can raise our kids, uh, you know, within, you know, half an hour of their grandparents Yeah, and, and, you know, really make a go of it. It, it was very attractive. And so, yeah, like it, I, those, that all kind of like came together right as we were preparing to move and you know like it again like it, it made a uh, a focal point on the road ahead <laughs> like like of, of where the hell am i going you know where, what i do like I, you know i want to brew beer but then but how do i get there right yeah it's um it's interesting because i mean i wasn't in the new york homebrew community but there were you know groups that you and i were part of of enthusiast groups and drinking groups and and things like that and there were so many folks that went on in those groups to do something professional in or around the beer space because i think that there was interest in it but was so interesting and i've caught shit for this in the past but you know 10 years ago um as you look back to like 2012 or you know 15 years ago new york was a lousy beer town and there oh, were, i couldn't agree more <laughs> yeah like but i've caught i've caught shit from people who have been around for you know a long time saying well it's better than it was and it's like that's great but you know go to chicago go to denver go to you know cities that uh new york likes to look down its nose at uh for everything else and they're going to run circles around us beer wise um so it, it it's interesting to look back now to see who's opened and to also see who made their bones in New York or who started the groundwork and then you know, took that to other parts of the country. Um, it's just, it, it, it's interesting. And I'm, I'm curious to see as you know, people are talking about a recession now um, and whether or not that comes to fruition, who knows? Um, I'm sure somebody will know, but I'm a journalist, not an economist. Um, but I feel like after you get out of one of those people start to, or while you're in it. And then when you get out, people start to think about, okay, am I happy? Am I going to try to do something else? Like what's going to be my next step? Um, And we will likely see more people enter into the space 
after the next downturn, whenever that may be. Um, and, and, and I'm wondering because you got in at that point when there was that excitement around it, um, how has that shaped your career over the last 10 years? Like getting in, in those years, going pro in those years where, you know, there really was that entrepreneurial spirit or that, you know, I'm going to you know follow my dream. I'm going to, you know, being around people who are doing the, the exact same thing as you at the same time. Yeah, I, does that make I, sense? I think, is that, is that a reach? Yeah, it does. It, it, no, like I think about like where I was, uh, before, you know, like uh, I was in a, uh, I had, I had a very good paying job, you know, like I, uh, <laughs> was, was making more money than, than I, uh, you know, yeah. not, not, not counting the cost of living, but like make, making more money than that I am now, 10 years later. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, you had like, one, of, you had one of those jobs that, uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> a lot of I, people I, didn't like you for, but yeah, I, I stumbled up, you know, like I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I did, I did. I, it was by no, uh, uh, no grand plan of my own. I just, you know, my last semester of my second senior year of journalism school, um, I had, a I had to have one elective and to complete my degree. And I had, it was business journalism yeah. and, um, Marty Steffens, my professor there, like one of the first things she said on the first day of class was like, Hey, if you don't get anything else out of this class, I'll get you a job. <laughs> And so, uh, we, we moved to New York and I couldn't find a job and I was like, Hey, Marty. <laughs> and I mean, she, she didn't just give me one job. She got me two and they were great paying jobs. They just, they weren't for me. And, yeah. and I, I, you know, I worked with some really great people, uh, who I, I still care very much about, but like, I hated going to work every day. Yeah. Uh, and now, so, I remember talking with you about that at the time. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, and, and being there, having that, like, you know, um, uh, being uh, w- well paid, but in the salt mines, uh, so to speak, like it gave me a, a different perspective uh, for whenever you're starting off in brewing. And a lot of it is shit work, you know, like um, you're squeegeeing floors and you're washing kegs and you're hot, you're cold, you're sore, you're, you're tired. And uh, the money's not great, but you're doing something that you love. Yeah. And having that previous experience, before of uh dreading going to work every day uh gave me a a much greater appreciation of how good i have it like whenever you know you're staring at a mound of of cooperage that needs to be washed and you're you're thinking about it like it it gives you a a much better outlook on it than you might otherwise have whenever you spend so many years doing something that you hate And you've, I like that you've still sort of carried that through to even where you are now. Like, I, I, I feel like people can lose perspective over time. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I have a tremendous amount of, uh, gratitude for where I've been able to come, uh, you know, in my career and for the people that, uh, have made that possible. Uh, for me, you know, the support from you know, Lauren and the rest of my family and uh, the people at uh, Schlafly and Perennial and, and Rockwell that have uh, allowed mm-hmm. this to happen. Like, I mean, it's, it's crazy, you know, like you're, uh, you do a lot of, uh, you know, droll stuff sometimes, but sometimes like you're meeting, uh, you're meeting like, you know, you're, you're here, you're, you're brewing heroes or you're, uh, pouring beer, uh, in a country you've never been to. And like, people are running across the room to try your beer. Like that's an incredible high. Yeah. Uh, but you know, like you have to do, you have to be passionate about it. You have to care about like the, the day-to-day slog stuff. And I, I try to, um, impress that on, uh, younger brewers that are, you know, like coming into these roles because, you know, if you're, if you're not loving the, the mundane, uh, the, the, the grind of it, then you, you should probably find somewhere else, you know, like another, 
uh, industry to be in because yeah. there's a lot, uh, there are a lot better ways <laughs> to make, to make money. <laughs> Uh, money, money, right. money can't be money can't be the 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 primary motivator. I mean, like obviously right. we're in obviously we're in business, but like uh, you know, it's not a get rich and and coast thing. Like you're still doing, you know, light manufacturing uh, yeah. every day. Yeah, <laughs> be mindful of the money and also uh, on what it's going to do to your back and knees. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, but that's, I like hearing that perspective because I think 10 years in, that's an important thing to be reminding the next generation of, because when, you know, your generation of brewers got into it um, and people were opening up their own places, there was a lot of, a lot of success in the industry. And we were seeing national brands their founders make it onto the forbes billionaires list and you were seeing uh you know huge numbers by you know the handful of of craft brewers that had been around for a while and you know some were driving some really nice cars and there was this you know sort of it wasn't a get rich quick thing but there was a you know well maybe there is a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow um kind of thing and i think the last 10 years have brought reality to the larger beer community on that front yeah i i I think so uh because you know like there's so there's only so many uh slots available for national and large regional breweries and that to me you know like i mean if, if that's your goal then more power to you that to me has never been an aspiration yeah uh for me it's like creating something that is unique to uh, the area that we're in that's sustainable because like, you know, like we're essentially a, a neighborhood or a city brewery. And, you know, I, I want people from, uh, abroad to, to know about our beer, but I, I want that to be because somebody from, you know, like either they visited St. Louis or somebody from St. Louis shared it with them. Yeah. And I think that, you know, focusing on that, like really, trying to establish roots and be in and of a, a community is the probably the best way to in my, in my opinion to to be a going concerned in another you know five ten twenty years yeah so what's keeping you interested these days where's your where's your brewing mind bringing you as to to where you want to be putting you know putting your brewing focus so I like, I, I look and, and I don't want this to sound like derogatory to any particular beer style because you're going to get I, hate I, mail. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I, I want people to drink <laughs> what thrills them, you know, like if, if you're passionate about drinking a heavily fruited quick sour or a, you know, a stout with, with raisins and coconut nibs and, and marshmallows in it, then that's great. And, and there are plenty of people that do that or, you know, make hazy IPAs and, and some of them are, are, are very good, but you know, like you see all, like there's so many breweries that are, you know, like zeroed in on like two or three types of beer. And there are so many other styles out there that, you know, are classics for a reason that deserve a, um, a spot on your tap list. And then also like whenever you're not focusing on that same uh, vocal minority of, of beer consumers, you know, like people have appetites for these other things. And so what I've, you know, focused on uh, continue to focus on is making, you know, good, you know, like straightforward beers at a, at a high level, you know, like, uh, whether that is uh, a Pilsner or, or, or a Bach or a, uh, a Porter, you know, like just making it the best we can. And then also like looking at these classic styles and trying to uh, create something new through a, a modern lens, you know, like a perfect example is we, like we just released a, uh, a hoppy brown ale. And (laughs) because John, I want to set the world on fire, you know, like, and and be the, you know, the 
2010 West Coast of the Midwest in 2022. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, I mean, it's a good goal. Uh, God yeah, speak to you. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, you know, like you think about like, uh, like hoppy beers that are darker uh, and have uh, more character. Like I, you starting to see them pop back up, you know, like Firestone Walker is uh, Wookie Jack uh, just came bringing back, back Wookie Jack um wiseacre out of memphis uh there's drizzle beer you know like they uh they're good friends and i saw on on instagram like they posted a picture of their ipa like they call it just call it an ipa but i mean like it is like this brilliant like ruby brown and it's delicious and you know you drink these beers and they don't taste like they're dark like uh you know some of the you know, hobby browns or Cascadia dark ales, black IPAs, whatever you want to call them, um, that people were drinking 10 years ago, but they don't taste like that. Yeah. You know, like they've, they've taken what was good about those things then and gotten rid of, uh, what was it, you know, like they're not as, you know, they're not cloying, they're not, uh, ashy or, yeah. uh, or too much caramel malt, you know, like everything's dialed back, but like, there's still, uh, some character there that sets it apart from things other places are doing. And so, you know, like we do that. And uh, I think I told you this story before, but like there's this uh, movie theater in town and you go in and for $13 a quart, uh, <laughs> you can get a, uh, a beer. It's like going into a time machine. Like you walk in, and it's Lagunitas IPA, and it's Dogfish Head 60 Minute, and it's uh, it's Bell's Amber Ale. Like, and I love yeah. all three of those beers. And normally, if you see them in a spot around town, like they may have actually been from 2010 and right. taste like it. And, but here, like they're blindingly fresh. And I I drank this Bell's Amber Ale. I was like, holy shit! Like I, it was a it was a nostalgia thing for me, but also it's like. Hey, this is still really good. Yeah. This, this, you know, we need to have a less monochromatic uh, draft list. And so we brewed an amber ale and, you know, like we updated it. Uh, you know, like it's, it tastes like an amber ale, but it's not cloying and it's done very, like there's, a, there's an audience for it. Yeah. And that's, it's so cool to hear that there is an audience for it because on the larger scale, like if you're looking at national sales data, that's not going to, you know, aside from bells, like it's not going to register as anything that's making waves, but if there is excitement behind it on the level that you were talking, you know, being a neighborhood brewery, being a, you know, like a, you know, a town or a city brewery kind of thing. um, I, I think that just leads to, you know, a better cluster of drinkers, you know, and it goes back to those early days of you know, being in that beer drinking group with you and, 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 you know, and all these other folks. And, you know, we'd all bring bottles, you know, like how many bombers would we be bringing to these shares of things that we picked up around the country and we're drinking ambers or Weizenbox or like weird things that we couldn't find elsewhere and having our minds expanded because of that, but now having you know, a brewery tap list like that, where it's not just here's 15 different hazies. Um, exactly. I, I, yeah. And I think that, you know, please don't anyone hear me saying that like Amber ales are the future. <laughs> no, no. Like, if I, if I were a, a, uh, if I were a, a national or a regional brewery in 2022, like trying to roll something like that out at that scale, like, you might as well just like fuel your kettle with your, uh, uh by burning money right. <laughs> underneath it. It is, you know, it's, uh, and it's an advantage and a privilege of being somewhere that is small where it's like, yeah, like I'm going to make 15 barrels of that and I'm going to sell it across the two locations and give people, uh, more variety there. And that's one of the, also one of the things that I love about, uh, you know, the majority of our guests aren't, you know, beer geeks. And when I, beer geek is probably not the right word. Uh, the, the type of people that are ticking things on untapped and, uh, you know, 
standing in line for releases and stuff like that. Like those, we welcome all those people, but also there's people that just like drive by like, Hey, you know, like I want to grab a beer after work and, or I want to meet some friends here or have a, an office party. Um, you know, like you're not, uh, focusing solely on this, like very small subset of, of people. Do, do you feel that there is a, a better understanding of beer out by you because of Anheuser-Busch and supporting local breweries? Yeah. I mean, like St. Louis is a, uh, a beer drinking town. I mean, like you, you drive around here and the architecture, you know, like you see dating back to the mid 1800s, like the, the history, it, it, it's just like ingrained, like beer is always around, you know, lager heavy. Um, and I think that, you know, AB has done a lot uh, to ingrain that in the community. Uh, the, the water here is great. <laughs> thanks yeah. to them. And, um, and, and that's, that's been uh, very beneficial for the culture, but also, you know, whenever they initially sold out uh, to, to InBev, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs and like St. Louis, like, it's a very loyal town as long as you're loyal to them. And that happened at a, a very, you know, uh, a very fortuitous like window in time, because that's also whenever these, uh, this class of 2011 brewers yeah, yeah. Were, were starting up and, and people were like, well, we got to drink beer from somewhere. And, and trust me, no, nobody is, is hurting, uh, AB's uh, sales numbers here <laughs> in, in yeah. St. Louis. But, you know, it did um, opens people's minds to things other than uh, the almighty Bush. Yeah. I mean, and there were, I mean, there were some great breweries that popped up, you know, because of that, uh, because of people leaving AV. And uh, Josh Noel wrote uh, about a lot of them in his book, um, Barrel Aged Out and Selling Out, which if folks haven't read that, they should they should yeah that's a great book yeah um so as you're thinking now about uh, your amber ale is not going to set the world on fire um but that there is interest behind it do you think that's going to give you the ability to branch out even further style wise yeah i mean like we're you know as we uh continue with our uh, like the beer garden and, and doing uh, more with food in addition to our partners, you know, like we're partnered uh, currently at the, at the brewery with, uh, uh, with the niche food group who has uh, uh, several, you know, really great, like James Beard award-winning uh, restaurants uh, around town and, and they do our food and they do great. And then we've got our own thing going down at the beer garden that it's uh, developing you know, like looking to do more, uh, with beer and food together, you know, and, uh, going beyond just like your normal brew pub fair, pairing beer with food. Um, you know, the, but we're, yeah, our, our scale does allow us uh, a lot of flexibility across styles, you know, like we're doing, um, mixed firm beers in, in our fooders and they're, they're doing surprisingly well um on draft here which which is really awesome to see people come in and you know appreciate a uh, a delicate nuanced balanced uh mixed firm beer that uh you know isn't going to strip the enamel off your teeth that's you know like important with with those beers and you know whether it's a you know, a three percent goza or a fifteen percent imperial stout. Like, I want people to have, you know, like to want to revisit that beer. I never want to create a beer where it's like, yeah, like, that's great. Uh, I'm glad I tried, but I I don't need to ever have that again. Uh, and so, yeah, like we're we're developing, you know, trying to be thoughtful about the beers that we're developing, but you know. Uh, broaden people's uh, exposure to uh, other styles that they may not find as readily available yeah. anymore. 
I like that you brought up though. I mean, I know the beer garden is a, is a big part of, you know, your, your, your breweries, uh, future plans and um you know it's 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 current successes um but also bringing up food as well and you know even talking about your 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 christmas beer earlier of you know a beer to to drink at parties to bring to to bring to parties um there's something to be said about i don't know if you were doing this on purpose or not but the theme of you know reminding folks that beer can be a party beverage that, you know, it, it doesn't always have to be about ticking or, um, you know, just, uh, I don't quite know that, you know, where I'm fully going here with this, except for the fact that like, I haven't heard people talk about beer in terms of socialization in quite some time. And I'm sure the pandemic has a lot to do with that. But it's nice that you're thinking about it and working to remind people of its social nature. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, we in, in creating the spaces here, like we've uh, we've put a lot of, of thought and effort into trying to create a, a, a third space, you know, in the traditional sense, uh, you know, uh, a modern beer hall, modern beer garden, you know, like somewhere where people gather and you know, brewing the beer that, that speaks to that, you know, that, uh, you know, is interested. You know, it's, it's always well-made, uh, or mm-hmm. at least that's, that's the goal. Uh, right. and, and it's interesting enough that, uh, it's going to keep you coming back, but it's not to the point of being distracting where, um, you know, it, it's enhancing the, uh, your situation as opposed to becoming the situation. Yeah. And I think back about like, you know, kind of like my evolution as a, as a beer nerd and, and beer drinker. And whenever I started out, uh, you know, it was like, it was trying as many different things as I could. Uh, and a lot of that was, you know, trying to educate myself, but you know, and, and I'm not trying to bag on untapped as a platform, but like, I know because Greg Avolo was in that group that we were all. Yeah, he was. Yeah, the he day. was. Yeah, yeah. He was and and, uh, yeah. and like I, I was keeping track of all the different beers that I, uh, that I was drinking, and you know because I I wanted to be able to look back, and and see you know whether I tried something or not, and it became so distracting, and I realized that I never looked back to, to check. I, I just, I remembered like, Oh yeah, I had that. Right. Um, and then finally one day I was sitting, uh, at the bar in, at Spite and Dival, which, uh, is a notorious dead spot for cell reception. And oh, yeah. I was, tr- I was trying to check in this beer and I, I don't remember what the beer was, but uh, it was something that you could only find at Spite and Dival at that point. And I was so frustrated because I couldn't get cell reception. I was like, this is stupid. Like, <laughs> like I'm completely out of, uh, you know, like out of the moment because I'm trying to, to tick this beer and for what? And, and instead of just sitting there and enjoying the company that I was with and the beer that was in my glass, like I was completely taken out of the moment. And uh, like the only thing that I've used it for since was whenever we were adding our own beers at perennial that we were making, uh, or uh, it's, it's a great way to see if uh, somebody else has already come up with your super clever beer name. Um, But, (laughs) but yeah, you know, like I I want to, and and, and if, if you want to tick beers, more power to you. Like I, I'm not going to sure. yuck anybody's yum. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it was just like, yeah, like we should, we should pay more attention to the experience as a whole and how beer is uh, an accessory to the experience and not the experience itself. You know, whether you're getting together at your neighborhood beer hall, or if you're fortunate enough to be able to like, travel somewhere like uh like brussels and and go to cantillon or de la seine and yeah. e- even there like it's not just the beer like you're 
you're experiencing the people and the culture and you're soaking up the the history of the place, the, the, the smell and the way that that place makes you feel. And, and beer is the, the beer itself is part of it, but only yeah. a part. Of it. Yeah. That's uh, I, 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 I've had a similar relationship with untapped in the last, I wrote about it in drink beer, think beer, the book, but um, yeah, I think there's, there's, so much more to be seen outside of the, you know, the tiny little screen in your hand and somehow the beer just tastes better. I think when you're um, present in the moment, than I don't know, trying to earn a digital badge for something, but um, yeah, like I remember yeah. the first time I went into uh, to uh, uh, Suarez family brewery, like we were, we were driving around upstate and we were headed up to uh, Belgium comes to Cooperstown. And we made a road, uh, we made a pit stop there and I walked in and like, I'd, I'd had some of Dan's beers at, uh, at beer street in, in uh, Brooklyn before, but I'd never been to the brewery and I walk in and it's just kind of like this gray misty day and John Prine's clay pigeons is playing on the radio. And then Dan like hands me the most pristine glass of of palatine pills and it was just like it was everything and i can't imagine like like i remember what the beer tasted like but i remember much more just like being in that space you know like feeling all those other things and yeah it's it's lost whenever you're distracted by you know technology or you know the self-created anxiety of like Am I, did I get in this line early enough to secure, you know, one of 75 bottles of, of whatever it is we're after today? Yeah. Um, Amber ale. Yeah. Amber ale. That's, you know, that, like, that's, that's what you have to do is you have yeah, to gonna, create a limited amount of Amber ale. I'm going to wax dip the cans and we're going to have a line out back for uh, all of the hand, hand number, all the middle-aged men, all the, all the middle-aged men that want to, drink my uh hand numbered embryo socks and sandals mandatory right. yeah. and yeah <laughs> i would love i would love to see that just like the special release 75 cans available only yeah um and then just dump the rest like yeah. dump the rest of your 15 barrel batch but just cans <laughs> five cans and just yeah um We're yeah the resale the alone is going to be sending somebody's kid to college. So Um, I'm mindful of your time. So I've been asking folks for the last while on this show, the green door question, which is um, something that uh, I I first saw in the good place, the television show. So um, uh, it's introduced in the last season where you can walk through a green door and be any place at any time with whoever you want to be with. And so if we had a green door on our plane of existence and after this conversation was over, you could walk through it and be at any pub or any brewery anywhere in the world. Where would you want to go? Who would you want to be with? And what would you like to be drinking? Uh, for me. And uh, I, 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 I do have one in the campus because I, the first time I heard you ask that question, I, I thought about it myself and, I've thought about it several times since then, and the answer is always the same. Uh, it's uh, this uh, wonderful beer bar called Tabruge Birche. Birche. Uh, my Dutch is terrible. And, um, <laughs> in unless, Bruges, unless you live there, everybody's yeah. Dutch is terrible. Yeah. Um, it's this little bar in Bruges, and um, my wife and I, uh, I, I, would, I would be there with Lauren. Um, and we would be drinking, uh, Jardin black, uh, and, you know, probably some dead all bottles and just, you know, sitting there and reading for hours. And we did that. Uh, we took a kind of a flight of fancy, uh, in December of 2019, we went over with some friends to see the Christmas markets in in bruges and brussels and we just we sat there for several hours that afternoon and you know like it was cold outside but it was it was warm indoors and there was all these people you know like they're bundled up in their sweaters and they're hanging out and they're having conversations and like there's not 
TVs on or anything like that. Uh, I don't even remember if there was music playing, but you're just you're drinking some of the best beer in the world in this quirky uh, this quirky old bar uh, off a you know a side street in uh, central in the center of Bruges. It's just about perfect. Oh, that does sound perfect. That's nice, especially for this time of year as well. Well, thanks, pal. This has been fun yeah. having you on. It's uh, it's it's good to talk to you this way. It's even better when I get to see you in person, like I did during uh, uh, GABF this year. So I hope uh, hope we can we can do it in person. So I haven't been out to your part of the country in in years. So I need well, to. I mean, there's I a store brewing. There's a story brewing. It and it's that 2023 is the year of uh, dark hoppy beers and uh, amber ales. So uh, come to. <laughs> That's the hotbed of that activity. Yeah. The all about beer exclusive. uh, Yeah. Our in-depth investigation immediately followed by our going out of business sale. (laughs) I I mean, you know, you come out, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll brew a Roush beer and uh, a Roush Amber. Perfect. Perfect. We'll sell, we'll sell all three of them. To you, me, and that one guy who's always yeah, good for yeah, a can. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll make no money on it, but we'll, <laughs> we'll sell all three of them. Thanks again for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, John. Amber Ales for All, what do you think? Let me know by emailing John Hall. It's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at allaboutbeer.com or share on Twitter at John underscore Hall. All About Beer is on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just follow along at All About Beer. And of course, This Week in Rauk Beer is also online. The Facebook group is easy to search, and on Twitter and Instagram, it's at TWRaukBeer. We're able to bring you this show each week, thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you would like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please reach out to info at allaboutbeer.com. Speaking of that, this episode is brought to you by Pro Brewer. We're bringing original articles to probrewer.com twice a week, covering issues important to the beer industry and aimed at helping breweries of all sizes understand different facets of the business. You can check out our articles on probrewer.com every Tuesday and Thursday, and make sure to visit the site daily for other original content and to stay connected with the beer industry. Don't forget, All About Beer has a podcast channel now. You can search and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Steal This Beer has new episodes every Monday, and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. And one more time, go visit allaboutbeer.com. On this show, Nate Schweber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed the logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer.